Good morning, friends. You've tuned into Faith Communications of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. We're delighted that you joined us today. Our hope is that today's message will help you to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we listen to today's message, keep in mind that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now let's go right into today's broadcast. Open your Bibles with me to 2 Chronicles 7. 2 Chronicles 7. We are doing a series called Revival 2020. And the whole premise of this series is looking at this foundational verse in 2 Chronicles and seeing, okay, as the Lord we know wants to bring revival because His will is, as I read it, that none shall perish. His will is that none shall perish, then he wants to move with a great revival amongst this nation and around this world. And if we see parts of revival, we don't see revival doing what we believe we want to see or what the Bible even says it can do, and what we've seen, then we just begin to pray and ask God to show us what is our part to play. What is our part to play? And the Lord had led me to this scripture, and it walks through talking, God is talking to us, the church. (laughs) He is talking to us, the church, and there are certain things that he says the church has to begin to do. Certain things that the church has to begin to say and to do and to respond and to react to in order to see our land healed. He's not talking to those who are far from him on what they have to do, he is talking to us, the church. And you read it over and over and over in Scripture, it's the same general flow of events. There are people praying. There are people repenting. There are people walking in humility. There are people turning their hearts back to him, and he begins to move with a great revival in the land. And so this verse we've been looking at, we've been breaking down each part of this, 2 Chronicles 7, 14 through 16. Start in verse 14. If my people, who's his people? Who's his people? Come on, church. All right, I'm talking to you this morning. If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to see you up here afterwards because we can do that. And then you can be part of his people. If my people, who are called by my name, Christians, hey, Christ, Christians, called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. So week one, we talked about humbling ourselves. Week two, we talked about praying and seeking his face. And week three is in turn from their wicked ways. And I feel like I've been given a lot of these recently. But this is going to be another one of those not too many amens from the crowd messages. Okay? This is in love. This is because I want the best for you. This is because I want the best for this church. And the Bible makes it very clear that even when we become Christians, we still have to confess our sins. We still have to say, Lord, forgive me. We still have to repent and turn from the ways that we are walking that are not of him. In fact, I was standing up here going, my whole message is already being preached. 
We've already talked about this. In fact, I have it in here. Oh my gosh, let's just go to this real quick. I'll go back later. What are you watching on cable on satellite TV? What about YouTube, Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, or Apple TV? What are you putting in? What are you looking at and allowing into your life, into your home, and then walk around saying, I don't understand why all this is happening. The Lord is saying this morning, repent and turn from those sins. Turn that thing off. Put on the Lord. Put on the word of God in your house. Saturate your home with the word of God. This is what he's telling us to go do. This is what is turned from your wicked ways. Come on, church. I've been there. I've watched the shows I shouldn't have watched, okay? I get it. This, oh, I'm not even going to start naming the shows. I'm with you, but we have to stop. I have stopped. You have to stop. We cannot allow that junk in our homes and into our lives anymore. That's my message. All right. <laughs> See, I got a bunch of amens anyway. I was like, come on. I was like, man, they're going to shout me down. Oh, pastor, yeah, shout me down because I'm preaching real good, yeah? (laughs) Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. I love it. Okay, so the third key is turning from our wicked ways. And I want to talk about repentance this morning. I want to talk about a little bit about what it looks like, what the Bible says about it. And really, just practically, what do we do? How do we go do this? What does it mean to go repent? What does it mean? And I even mentioned earlier, this is not a performance gospel, church. This is a gospel of grace and of mercy and of forgiveness. This is not about striving harder, working harder, hoping to do better. It's about turning our hearts to him. It's about turning our hearts to him. And in that verse it says, and turn from their wicked ways. Think about the word turn for a minute. If you are walking towards something, and what you're walking towards is something that's not good for you, but we're going to continue to walk towards it, what do we have to do? We have to turn. We have to make a turn. We have to decide, I'm no longer walking on this path of sin. I'm no longer walking on this path of putting that kind of junk in my life. I have to actually turn. How many of you use Google Maps? Apple Maps, any type of navigational system. Come on, like we all use it now, right? Even in town sometimes we turn it on, even though we know where we're going. But what is she or he, depending on the voice that you choose? The British guy is really kind of cool. I think you have the British guy sometimes. He says, oh, turn here, whatever he says. That's like, what kind of accent was that? I'm not even sure. Okay, as a side note... If we ever do any kind of theatrical or dramatic performances, I will not be the one doing any type of voices from any kind of other countries, okay? I am not good with accents, okay? Anyway, a British guy, whatever. But what happens is, is when you were approaching something and there's a destination that we're trying to get to, sometimes we have to turn. And they will call out on our phone. It'll actually stop the music, won't it? If you got the system hooked up right and you're actually hearing from God correctly, there could be all this stuff going on in your car, all this distractions, all this noise, all, man, there's somebody jackhammering on the side of the road, there's music blaring, raise a hallelujah, whatever, maybe some secular music you might be listening to, everything that's going on in your car, but the volume comes down and says, in 100 feet, turn right. Yeah. In 150 feet, turn left. 
And what you begin to do is you start calculating, okay, what's a foot, how far is that, right? I mean, how many of you do this, right? I do this totally. I'm just like 150 feet, that's like, you know, partial of a football field, so if I'm driving, I should, right? So we all start trying to figure out where to turn, but he keeps saying turn, he keeps saying turn, and if you miss your turn, what does he start to do? Oh, whoa, 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 make a U-turn, make a U-turn, you've gone too far, turn around, you're like, I can't turn around now! But if we would have listened the first time they said turn, we would actually be turning and headed in the right direction and going to the place that God is calling us to and taking that map and using it. This is the map. This is the word of God. This is how he's telling us, turn from this, do this, don't. He is actually telling us which way to turn, not because it's a performance gospel, because he knows he has something in store for you. There's a blessing for you. There's a way to get through this, to have a testimony on the other side. And he's saying, turn here. Turn from your wicked way there. Turn from your wicked way here. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. Start doing this. He is telling us to turn over and over and over. And if you're seeking him with your whole heart and you're looking for him with everything that you are, I'm telling you, he's telling you to turn. Like, no, 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 no. I got it all together. No, you don't. I don't care how many years you've been a Christian. I don't care how much of the Bible you know. I don't care how much you pray. I don't care how much you speak in tongues. God is consistently telling us to turn, to turn, to turn. He is continuously leading us to him. Turn, turn. The Lord led me to the scripture, Proverbs 9, verse 10. Proverbs 9, verse 10. I find this very interesting. I didn't see this before as I've read it. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so you read that, you say, oh, that must mean I'm going to be so scared and I'm going to be afraid and I need to walk in wisdom because I'm afraid to do the wrong thing. No, 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 no. The fear of the Lord is fearing being separated from him. The fear of the Lord is saying, I don't want to be separated from you. I cannot be separated from you. I cannot do this life without you. I need you. I need you. I need you. And what does sin do? Sin tries to put a separation between us and God. And in order for us to turn and repent, we say, sin, get behind me because I have the fear of the Lord and I need to be in his presence. I need to be directly connected with him every day of my life, every single minute of the day. And what happens? You then have wisdom. Oh, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So as we fear the Lord, which means, Lord, I I have to get everything out of the way that's separating me from you. Everything out of the way. Everything's got to go. Everything's got to go. And what he's saying is that's the beginning of wisdom. That's where he begins to say, ah, now you can hear my voice clearly. Now you can hear when I say turn, you can turn. It's all about turning our hearts to him all about turning our hearts to him. I believe there's two levels of this. There's the church level and there's a personal level. I'll give you a little bit of break. I'll start with the church level. Now I'm talking to myself, I guess. Maybe I should go the other way around. I read this the other day. As the church goes, so goes the world. I know. Ouch. As the church grows, so goes the world. You see, because he has placed us here, we are his hands and feet. 
He has given us the Holy Spirit. He has given us all authority to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to help the orphans, to help the widows, to do all the things that we have abdicated responsibility to somewhere else, to somebody else. And so if the church is not doing its part, which in a, great, in a greater realm we are not, then this is what we have. Then this is what we have. As the church goes, so goes the world. And I have to ask ourselves, what are we doing? Are we living with just some comfortable Christianity? The seats are comfortable. There's coffee out there. It's warm in here. Are we coming in here just to be comfortable? Or are we coming in here truly, truly, truly to seek God, to seek his face, to seek his presence? Because when we are, he's going to be telling us to turn. He's going to be telling us, you cannot do that any longer. It's actually, there should be, I said this before, there should be danger on, on you know, the danger sign before you walk into the sanctuary. Or maybe just in front of the church. Or maybe even when you drive into the parking lot. Danger. Because if you kind of come in here and you're going to walk in here, it's not going to be a comfy, cozy Christianity in here. We're going to speak the word of God and sometimes it's going to hurt and sometimes it's going to feel a little bit painful. But God is going to do and he is going to move and he is going to transform your life. And a lot of times that's a little bit painful. Danger. But the beautiful thing is that he is a good God. And he promises to take us through all those things when we invite him to go in there and through that with us. If you don't invite him into your car system, into your GPS, and ask him and turn it on, you actually have to turn it on. You, if you want to hear the voice, you have to actually you have to invite Google Maps to speak through your car system. You understand that? There's actually a button that says, nah, I don't want to hear you. Mm. Church, there is a button on your phone that says, I don't want to hear you, don't speak to me. And the very same thing is true in our own lives. Don't push that button to turn him off. We need to push that button that said, speak to me louder. Speak to me louder. Make it even more clear in my life. And we need to remove all distractions that are in the way. It's a message I gave on Wednesday night. I'm not going to go back through it. But it's about Jesus. And as he cursed the fig tree, and immediately after he cursed the fig tree, he went in and began to evaluate what the church looked like. And if you notice the fig tree, I think it was Mark 11, the fig tree had all the evidence that there was going to be a lot of fruit on there. All the leaves were blooming. Everything looked like there was going to be fruit. But when Jesus got up to that fig tree and said, let me look for this fruit, what did he find? Nothing. And he cursed the fig tree. And immediately following doing that, he went to the church, to the synagogue. And he said, oh, wow, it looks really good. There's, you know, there's a great worship team. The smoke is happening. Everything sounds good. The AV team's doing an excellent job. And all the scriptures go up at the exact right time. And it has all the looks and all the appearance that everything's going well. But what did Jesus find when he went to the synagogue? A bunch of people trading money and selling stuff. And he began to flip the tables. And what did he say? He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Amen. My house shall be called a house of prayer. 
So from a big church, a big C perspective, we will be called a house of prayer. This is why as long as we are in leadership over this church, this church will be a house of prayer because that's what Jesus was looking for. He didn't say it was going to be a church of the message, of the church of the worship team, or the harp, or the smoke, or the lights. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And then he empowers us through the church to go out and preach the gospel, to go out and heal the sick, to go out and raise the dead. He wants his church to be a house of prayer. This is what he's calling the church to be. I want our church to be non-normal because I'll tell you the normal church out there is not doing what the Bible says the church should be doing. And if you look at Revelation 3, I don't have those scriptures up there. I had like three different messages. I didn't know where God was going to take us this morning. Revelation 3, don't have to worry about it. It's not up there. Verse 14 through 22, I just encourage you to read that at some point in time. Danger. (laughs) Read it if you want. Danger, danger. It's Jesus speaking about the lukewarm church. Oh, the lukewarm church. You know what happens when something's lukewarm? Ugh. You want to spit it out of your mouth, don't you? Like, I like hot food, some people like cold food, but when it's just lukewarm, you're like, ugh, what is wrong with this thing? And you realize what I began to see this morning when I was thinking about this? God was like, you know when bacteria grows and when things begin to fester? Ah, when it's lukewarm, not when it's really hot and not when it's really cold in the freezer or on the stove burning up hot. It's when it's lukewarm, it begins to fester and it begins to get disease and bacteria and you spit it out of your mouth. So church, we will not be a church that's lukewarm because I don't want Jesus to spit me out of his mouth. All of this is leading because we have to begin to repent We have to begin to turn from our wicked ways, is what it said. We need to be walking in obedience, humility, submission, and repentance. We need to be a church that prays. You see, the church has the power to change the world. As the church goes, so goes the world. We don't like what we see out there, then the church is actually empowered to go fix it. If we don't like what we see, we should stop talking about it so much and start doing something about it. Start praying, start interceding, start preaching the gospel, start reaching the lost, healing the sick. You see, if you look at that verse in 2 Chronicles, what does he say? He says, and I will hear them and I will heal their land. But how does he heal, our, his, how does he heal the land? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, which is in us and then operates through us. We're actually his hands and feet. We're actually the tools that are going to be able to heal this land through his power coming down through us. It's like, oh my gosh. So of course we have to, we can't just sit there and continue to walk the way we walk and do the things we do and think God's going to bring some kind of revival to our city and to our town. We have to change. Okay, at a personal level. (laughs) James 4.4. James 4.4, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Uh, Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of this world makes himself an enemy of God. Oh my goodness. 
This is what we're talking about. What are we watching? What are we doing? What are we saying? Where are we spending our time? Is it in friendship with the world? Because what this is saying is as we're doing that, we're we're making an enemy of God. Oh my goodness. Now praise God for forgiveness. We confess our sins. He forgives us and cleanses us. But we can no longer, this church, us as a congregation, can no longer walk around being friends of this world. The Bible says that we need to be in the world, but not of it. We need to be in the world, but not of it. This is a not normal mentality. John 14, verse 15. John 14, verse 15 says, If you love me, keep my commands. Jesus, we love you. Y'all were singing it. I was with you. Come on. Jesus, we love you. If you love me, keep my commands. If you love me, keep my commands. And I pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Oh, so we don't have to do this on our own. We have this ability to say, Father, help me. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. You lead me and you guide me and you help me to walk in this because it's not a performance gospel, but it's a gospel that is led by truth and love because of who he is. He sends the helper to help us to obey those commands. So I start thinking, what are the commands? Where do I start? I love Jesus. I want to be a friend of God. Where do I start? What do I do? And so you start to say, well, what is the greatest commandment? Ah, God helps us with this. Matthew 22, verse 37. It's like, thank you, Jesus. You showed us the greatest command. If I can just start here. If we leave here with nothing else today, if we can just leave here with this in our hearts, this first commandment in our hearts, because it doesn't say anything else about not sinning anymore. It doesn't have to say anything else about trying harder. It doesn't say anything about any of that stuff. It says this. You ready? Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And I started looking at that. Whoa, 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 whoa. The heart, then the soul, and then the mind. It's like there's a pattern here. I have to turn my heart to Jesus first. I have to turn my heart to the Lord. I have to say, I repent of these things. I have to get this junk out of my life, and I'm going to turn my heart to him. Create in me a clean heart, says David. Create in me a clean heart. He was a man after God's own heart it's about the heart if we don't turn the heart first the soul can't turn the mind can't turn if you don't you can't just say i'm going to stop watching netflix now because pastor jason said so no it's not going to work you're going to keep doing it you're going to keep doing it and doing it until your heart turns to him not because i said it because oh i'm going to try so hard it's because you turn your heart towards him love the lord your god with all your heart and your soul, and your mind. You turn your heart first, which then turns your soul, which then begins to transform your mind. And you no longer put that junk in there, and then it actually begins to change what you speak, 
which then begins to change how you feel, which then begins to resonate in your heart, and then it overflows again. It's like this cycle that goes in, up from the heart, out through the mind, and then in through the mind and down through the heart, because the eyes are the gateway to the heart. Oh my gosh. So if I just turn my heart, I begin to change my soul and my mind. I don't know when to see these things or do these things anymore. And then I actually, it's like the cycle that just keeps working and working in my life. And he says to do one thing first, turn your heart to him. That's it. And if you look at the Bible as it says, what does it mean to turn your heart to him? It means to repent. (laughs) Back to the repentance word. Turning our heart to him. Turning from our wicked ways. Saying, I can no longer have this sin between me and you. It has to go in Jesus' name. So now I got to the page, what are you watching on Netflix, Hulu, Disney+, Plus, Apple TV, and whatever Roku device or Fire Stick that you guys now use in order to watch videos or whatever. YouTube, especially for the young people, it's just like, I get it. There's a lot of stuff out there. But the Lord says, put no idols before me. And I believe we need to begin viewing, we need to begin viewing not sin as a failure of performance, but sin as really being a break of intimacy with God. Can I say that again? We need to begin viewing sin not as a failure of performance, like, oh, I failed again. I'm such an idiot. I'm so blah, 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 blah. And you start beating yourself up, condemning yourself. Look, all have sinned and fallen short. I'm going to sin probably at some point today, not that I'm speaking it. But you know what? It happens. I have a fearful thought. Whatever it is, there's things that may happen in our lives, and we all have sinned at some point in time. But what this is saying is you don't look at that and say, oh, I must be a really bad person. We need to treat sin as a break of the intimacy with us and the Lord God. And we need to say, I need to get it out of the way because it's in the way. It's not because I failed or I made some big mistake. I'm going to beat myself up and start lashing myself out. No, 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 no. It says I just got to get it out of the way with everything that I am. Just exuding all of our energy to get that stuff out of the way. Get it out of the way because it's breaking my intimacy with God the Father. And what Jesus did on the cross. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for allowing us to have that intimacy with him. We just need to break that out of the way. In Joel 2.12, in Joel 2.12, it says this. Actually, all of Joel 2 is, like, pretty awesome. I was almost going to go through that whole thing this morning. That was, like, message three. I'm just going to integrate it into this one. Joel 2.12, now therefore says the Lord, what? Turn to me with all your heart. Ah, turn, not turn to me with all your mind, not turn to me with all your feelings. It says turn to me with all your heart. How do we do that? With fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. And so rend your heart, not your garments. I said it the other day, it's like, oh, I'm so upset, I want, to tear, I want to start tearing my garments, right? It's like Old Testament, they start tearing stuff off. Because they're so frustrated, Arr! they get so mad and upset. It says we don't have to tear our garments anymore, we have to rend your heart. Return to the Lord your God. And what? He is gracious and merciful. He is slow to anger, of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Oh, thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord, that we don't have the consequences of every sin that we've committed. Oof. Yikes. We'd probably all be in the grave. There's a turning. Turn to me with what? All your heart. Turn to me with all of your heart. So what do we do? How do we do this? There's two different scriptures I want to briefly look at on how to do this. Then I'll invite the worship team to come up right after this. The first one is we have to confess our sins to the Lord. It's just, you have to, it's just what the Bible says. You have, you're going to turn your heart to him. He's going to say, ah, here I am. Here's the sin. It's exposed. I need to confess the sin. And in 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we say that we have no sin, eh, can't do that. We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Oh, so don't say you don't have sin, because we do. But then it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Oh, hallelujah. When we turn our hearts to him and say, I have this sin in my life, we just have to confess it to him. And he is faithful and just to forgive it. He says, okay, I know. I'm not, I mean, he knows everything. Come on, he's omnipotent, whatever. You think you're hiding something? Come on. Turn your heart. It's the action of turning your heart to him. He'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. We have to confess our sins to the Lord. And then we have to confess our sins to each other. Like, oh, do I have to tell somebody? Do I? Yeah, the Bible says we want healed. We want healed. It says we have to confess to one another. Look with me in James 5. It says, confess your trespasses, verse 16, confess your trespasses to one another. You're saying, hey, I need help. Don't walk alone on this journey of battling the sin that you may have in your life. You think I'm the only person that struggles with this. You're not the only person that struggles with it. I'm the only one that has a problem with pornography. You're not the only one that has a problem with pornography. I'm the only one that watches these disgusting shows like whatever, I won't name them because then somebody will start feeling condemned. Okay, be convicted of the shows that you're watching. That's all I'll say. Ah! Ah! I almost said a couple shows. Ah! Okay? Confess your trespass to one. We need accountability. We need people to walk through this life with us. Yes, we have Jesus. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit. But it says confess your trespass to one another and pray for one another. Why? That you may be healed. Yes, your sins are forgiven when we confess to Jesus, when we confess to, the, to God the Father because of the blood of Jesus. But he's saying then, hey, we have to continue to confess to one another. Say, I'm struggling with this. Can somebody help me? We cannot walk around here acting like we have it all together. You don't. I know you don't. Because I don't. We don't have it all together. We struggle with things. But if we're not in community with somebody, if we don't have accountability with someone, if we have nobody to turn to, no friend to say, I need help with this, no small group leader to say, please pray for me for this, I'm struggling with this, you're walking on this journey alone. And when you walk on a journey alone, the roaring lion, the enemy, comes to devour you because you're off by yourself. We can't be off by ourselves. 
says, that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Look at that. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Because why? Because the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. When we begin to pray for each other, when we begin to talk to each other, we begin to be healed because the Bible clearly says the fervent prayer avails much, all that we need. And then he goes into Elijah. Hey, I'd like to pray some prayers like Elijah. Rain stop, rain come, fire fall, like whatever. I can do this. Talk about fervent prayers of a righteous man. Man, stuff was happening when Elijah prayed. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Like ours. No different. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it didn't rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain. And the earth produced fruit. When we pray, we unlock miracles in our lives. And when we're struggling with sin, say, but I repented. I asked the Lord to forgive me. I asked the Lord to forgive me. I asked the Lord to forgive me. But I never get any better. never get any better because you haven't done the second part of it. We have to begin to confess to one another. We have to begin to say, Lord, I need help with this. Send me the person that can help me with this. As we close, I'm sorry, I keep doing that. That's like my key for Sydney to come up. I'm sorry, I'm just going to be honest. It's like I say it. As we close, like Sydney and I had this agreement. I know this is really awkward break in what I'm talking about here. But we had this thing, like, as I say, as we close, and she's supposed to come up. <laughs> Sydney, could you come up here and then help us close this thing out? I, it's just the code word just isn't working for me. I like wrote it real big in my thing, as we close. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's just like, why am I saying that? Sydney, just come up. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> What happens when we confess? What happens when we confess? We are forgiven. Oh, we are cleansed of our unrighteousness. And we are healed. Oh my goodness. Acts 3 verse 19. Just look at this with me. Write this one down. Acts 3.19. It says, Repent, therefore be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. He remembers them no more. Look at the rest of this verse. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Oh my gosh. You understand when we repent, when we turn from these sins, we say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me. He promises to bring refreshing. Refreshing from the very thing that has been holding you back. Refreshing in your life from the very thing that you've been struggling with. He brings refreshing. And I have to tell you, church, this morning, I don't care what time it is. I really do. If you haven't noticed that by now, we don't really care about the time on the clock. I cannot allow you to walk out of here this morning without having a chance to come to this altar and say, Lord, I repent, I repent, I repent of the things that I've been doing in my life. I am willing, I have to turn towards you. I am turning my heart towards you. I cannot let you walk out of here this morning 
and not give a call to action that says, today is the day of salvation. Today is a day of refreshing. Today is a day of repentance. Today is a day of reconciliation. I'm not talking that you never made Jesus Christ your Lord. I'm talking about that you've been convicted as you're sitting there that God wants you to turn back to him. That he wants you to turn something off in your life. That he wants you to turn something on in your life. There's a lot of you are out there. God is speaking to you today. So we're going to sing another song. Do not delay. Do not tarry. Do not say, yeah, I'll get to that later on today. Nah. There's no football on today. You'll probably be sleeping on the couch. Don't allow the rest of this day to get in the way of what God wants to go do right now. What he wants to go do right now. If God is convicting you, the Holy Spirit is convicting you in your life, I'm not going to ask you to tell me what it is. Yes, confess to one another. That's not the purpose of this this morning. The purpose is, is to repent. To turn our hearts to him. To turn our hearts to him. And he brings a refreshing. <laughs> he brings a refreshing, a joy, a peace that is unspeakable. Unfathomable. So this morning I invite you up here to kneel at the altar, to stand at the altar, to say, Lord, today's the day. Today's the day my heart is turning completely, utterly, and totally to you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Come. I just want to read this scripture as a benediction this morning. Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us. He's calling us to Him. That cannot separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Our Lord. Father, we thank You. We go from this place empowered, healed, made whole. Father, we thank You for our lives being transformed. Father, we thank you for greater realms and spheres of influence. We thank you that this is a sending church. We are sending people out this afternoon, now, into this community, into their families, into their schools, into their workplaces, to be a light for you. May revival come in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Have a great afternoon. Thank you for being a part of today's Faith Communications broadcast of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. If you do not currently have a church home, you are invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. Erie Christian Fellowship is located at 5900 Saratania Road, directly across from the Walnut Creek Middle School. You'll find us on the web at www.ecfchurch.org, where you may sign up to receive our monthly Faith Communications newsletter. Again, thanks for joining us today, and always remember 2 Corinthians 5-7 that declares, For we walk by faith, not by sight.